Thanks for joining us here at the USU Career Studio. I'm Marissa Armitstead, your host, and I am excited to welcome you to Season 7. Thanks for joining us for our Friday face-to-face episode. I'm Marissa Armitstead, your host, and I'm so excited to welcome Chase Anderson to the show today. Welcome, Chase. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Chase is the Industry Relations Manager for the Outdoor Product and Design Product Design and Development Program at Utah State University. He also hosts the Highlander Podcast and is a collaborator on the Outdoor Recreation Archive at USU. Chase has worked at USU since 2017, building industry relationships and helping prepare students for exciting careers in the outdoor industry. Whether it's exploring partnerships with potential industry partners or mentoring students and helping them learn how to break into industry, Chase is passionate about helping students achieve their career goals. So Chase, with all of that being said, I have really been looking forward to this conversation. I think sometimes this idea of experiential learning and internships can feel pretty overwhelming to students. So I am beyond excited to have an expert (laughs) joining us on the show today. it's funny, a, a couple of months ago, let's see, I think it was June, um, I was, uh, I happened to have the opportunity to do a little bit of a tour, chat with you about your your uh, program, and I learned a lot at the statewide level. We sometimes get sucked into, here's what's offered here at USU Salt Lake or USU Brigham or whatever it is, but it was so fun to step back for me and say, oh my gosh, like this is a really cool program uh, here, in, here in Logan, and so was so grateful for that opportunity, but I really hope that in today's conversation, we can really draw on your past experience of working with employers, but also the flip side, working with students to kind of connect those dots. How do we get students in industry? How do we get industry supporting students in their, their career development? So with all of that being said, could not be more excited to jump in, but before we do, I always have to uh, give our, our listeners a fun fact. And so Chase, if you're brave enough, are you willing to share a fun fact with us? Oh, well, I don't know if I necessarily have a, well, I guess it's a fun fact for some people. Um, and it's, a, it's, but it's not necessarily a fun fact, I think in the, in the traditional sense, but maybe I can share something that I did this summer. Um, so this, just a couple of weeks ago, I went to the Eras tour, the Taylor Swift Eras tour. What? How was it? Was fantastic. <laughs> it was an incredible. I'm a believer. Um, it was, it was pretty, pretty wild, pretty incredible. Um, so not necessarily a fun fact, but I figured it might be fun to share something that I did. Okay. So you're time. a T-Swizzled fan. How far does this go back? Like the early days? You know, I, I'm, I'm new to it. Um, so Ooh. my, my wife's a big fan. Um, and I, we got tickets and I started studying up and listened to everything and, um, yeah, it was an incredible show. So it was, it was fun to go and, and do that. We went out to Denver for it. Oh my gosh. How fun. I have been seeing that all over my social media lately. And I, I think about it. I don't know. I don't think I'm committed enough to go to one of the crazy concerts, but I, I appreciate and respect it. <laughs> Well, I'd never been to a st- uh, stadium show before. And so that was a new experience for me being to a show that that big is like a totally different experience. Totally immersive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so fun. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, and if uh, fellow Taylor Swift fans are listening, feel free to uh, connect with Chase or, or maybe his wife. <laughs> <is better. laughs> All right. Well, with that, Chase, let's get let's get into things um, again, really diving into experiential learning. Um, and so with that, I, I want to start by having you share a little bit about the OPDD program um, and uh, maybe just start with how did this program come to be? I think there's kind of a cool backstory to it. 
Yeah. And I wasn't around for the early days of the program or, or pre-OPDD. I started working for Utah State in January of 2017. And the program started in the fall of 2015. Um, and to, to my understanding, um, this program really grew out of our family consumer sciences um, program that we have here at Utah State. There's there's actually a long history of of textiles and apparel design um, in the in at, here at Utah State. Um, some of those programs have come and gone. Um, but we we had a faculty member who was here in the family consumer sciences program that um, had friends in the outdoor industry and was familiar with the industry and um, and at that time outdoor retailer was in its heyday um, which is the industry trade show for the outdoor industry and and it was taking place in Salt Lake um, twice a year and um, so this faculty member gathered some of her friends and people that she knew in the industry and they started to have a conversation around what would a program look like um, specific to uh, training students um, for careers in the outdoor industry, working in product design specifically. And the focus at that time was apparel design and more soft goods, anything based out of, you know, made out of textiles. Um, but that was where the program really started was a faculty member connecting with industry and discussing the needs of the industry and then proposing the creation of a program to support support that industry. Um, and fortunately for us, our, our dean was incredibly supportive and, and jumped at the opportunity and proposed this program. And um, fast forward today, it's it's been incredibly successful. The program's evolved over time and, and changed in a lot of ways um, that are really positive and natural, I think, um, as we continue to work with industry to make sure the program is relevant and and um, fits their needs and, and best prepares students for careers in the industry. But yeah, that's kind of the origin of the program is it's always been connected to industry. Um, and the, the kind of the beautiful thing about it is that tie to industry, but also we have wonderful faculty who um, know how to teach the curriculum, um, which is is interesting. We've we've kind of um, talked with other programs and um, and and it's pretty unique that we have a program that's tied to industry, but we have faculty who are actually know how to teach. Um, that's not the case everywhere. Um, other programs around the world, sometimes it's programs like this are so focused on industry um, that their faculty come from industry, but don't necessarily have a background in teaching. So we're able to blend those things together. And I think um, it's it's been really positive for us and, and the industry notices that um, we're making that effort to, to train students for, for them and for careers. Absolutely. And I so appreciate you giving this this context and background, because honestly, in my mind, I think this is the ideal. Um, you know, there's a big question around the return on investment of a college degree right now. Students, and I think they rightfully should be asking this question, why am I going to choose a four-year degree versus um, you know, a program that Google offers in a couple of weeks? What is the value? And so I think what you just articulated, that ability for the university and, and, you know, departmentally to go and connect with the industry and say, what do you need? Let's build something that supports that need. And then to stay engaged, not just that initial, but to stay engaged with the industry over and over and over again to ensure what's being taught is is supportive and helpful to the needs of the, the economy, I think is huge. And so I, I think that's really cool. And obviously, this is not the only program at Utah State that offers that. Lots of, uh, you know, I would say most, if not all programs offer some kind of you know, industry connection to make sure content is relevant. But I, I think 
Um, this program does an exceptional job of that. And it was just clear to me when I heard this initial story, I was like, yes. Uh, so I think that's really awesome. Um, with that being said, do you mind just kind of breaking down what exactly is this degree at Utah State University? Maybe what kinds of students might be interested? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's been interesting over time. The program, when it first launched, again, it's it's called Outdoor Product Design and Development. Um, it's the first of its kind in the country, which I think was really to our benefit when we launched the program. Um, it gained a ton of attention uh, because there's nothing else like it. Of course, there's other apparel design programs. There's industrial design programs that focus on teaching um, students how to design physical products, um, but nothing focused on an industry like this. And so that that gained a ton of attention um, in in all the best ways. Um, it, we, as a program now, we we focus heavily on talking about how this program is for people who want to create. This is for people who want to make things. This is for people who want to solve problems. Um, it's not necessarily a program just for people who love the outdoors. We kind of see that as that's that's a component of the program um, is that our students design things for outdoor activity. Um, but it's bigger than the outdoors. The students in our program learn how to become uh, visual communicators, problem solvers, makers. Um, so that's that's who this program's primarily for. It's not necessarily for people who just love being outside. It's it's people who want to make stuff and solve problems. Yeah, I love that. And maybe can you share a couple of examples? I know we're in the summer months, so it's maybe there's there's less going on. But maybe in the past year or so, like, can you think of some student projects or internships that you just, they, they really stand out to you? Oh, I, we have one who, uh, she just graduated. Um, one of our, our, our students, um, she worked for Black Diamond, had an internship there. And if anyone knows Black Diamond, they're one of the leaders in climbing, skiing, uh, based in Salt Lake, just an incredible company. And uh, her dream was to make climbing gear for this company. And so she, um, she landed an internship, um, during her time here at Utah state while there, she was able to work on some re really meaningful projects and that enhanced her ability to, to design, you know, within her or here at Utah state during her last couple of years as well. Um, but uh, she just accepted a full-time offer at Black Diamond and is kind of living her dream, designing climbing equipment. Um, so yeah, we that's a very common story within our program of students who go out and get an internship. That, that internship really grounds their experience so that they come back into the classroom and, and everything becomes a little more real. Um, and then they go out prepared to, to accept a full-time offer upon graduation or, or you know, a, a few months after as well. So yeah, definitely a, a common experience, but that, that one with black diamond is one of my favorites. So, so cool. Okay. Chase, let's, let's take the conversation a little bit in a, a different direction. I want to learn a little bit more about you. So talk to us a little bit about your career journey and how did you get into this space? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I don't know in some ways, like <laughs> so, so much I've feel like of, of life is like stumbling into things and you're just calling kind of falling forward and but there's always that forward progression and um you know I I'd like to think I have it all planned out I I try to be a planner and and, and I'm trying to work on that actually cuz sometimes that's not necessarily a good thing um but one of my goals when I was here at Utah State was to to 
um, you know, get a, get a great job. And, um, I didn't necessarily know that the outdoor industry was as big as it is. Um, I was interested in the outdoors. I, I grew up in Salt Lake in South Jordan specifically. And so the Wasatch front was kind of my, my playground and the backdrop of my life. Um, so the outdoor industry was always something that I, I knew was there or the outdoor experience, but not necessarily the industry. Um, and so while I was going to school, I, I learned about a company called Cotopaxi. Um, and it was in their early years, probably their first two years of being a company, they really started to market themselves to university campuses. Um, and I volunteered for them because um, I was really interested in what they were making and they're um, kind of making products um, on purpose, right? It's like make, intentionally making good products and having a, a mission behind that and a cause. And uh, that resonated with me. And, and so I thought, well, I would love to work for a company like that. Um, they weren't offering internships. They were a startup at the time. And I just connected with them and, and volunteered and said, hey, I'd love to be one of your like marketing people here at Utah State. And so I spent you know, that semester, a couple semesters promoting the company and finding ways to um, kind of build their brand here in Logan. Um, and that challenged me to kind of think outside the box and take things into my own hands and not wait for um, instructions from from my managers or the people that were kind of managing the the volunteer program. And so we did some pretty wild things. I feel like like we went and found a llama here in Cache Valley. And the llama is the mascot for Cotopaxi. And we brought that llama onto campus and started walking around and talking about the products. And um, that wasn't something that the company told us to do. They were okay with it, but we kind of went and just did that. Um, and so I think that was like the first time I really, um, not the first time, but like professionally, I felt like I could just go do things. Like I don't have to wait to be told Um I, like I can find innovation, innovative solutions to problems. And, and that's like a real core part of who I am is I feel like I'm very much like a go-getter and I, I try to, you know, come up with innovative ways to solve things. And, um, so that was kind of my first exposure to like the outdoor industry through that. I was able to go to the outdoor retailer trade show. And if anyone went to the trade show a few years ago, um, it's, it's a massive, it was a massive production, just giant three story booths from all the biggest companies. And, um, that's when I realized, wow, this is big. This is a whole industry. Um, from there, I ended up, ended up working for icon, uh, then icon health and fitness. Now I fit, um, here in cash Valley and, and, um, worked there prior to graduating and, uh, worked on their marketing team, um, had the opportunity to go work at more trade shows and work with, you know, retail partners and and do a lot of different different things in the marketing space. Um, graduated with my degree here at the university, um, studying international business from the Huntsman School, and um, then I, I got an email to my inbox. I still to this day don't know how it really happened. I got an email. I think it was from Indeed, just saying that there was a position open at Utah State for the Outdoor Product Design and Development Program. Mm -hmm. um, they needed someone to do to do industry outreach and marketing, and I I I like went back afterwards and I like couldn't find the email because and it, to this day it's still really strange to think about. But um, 
I applied and it just seemed kind of perfect for me. It was like everything that resonated with me, the opportunity to work in this industry, come back to Utah State, um, work with students. Like I was an ambassador while I was here at Utah State. So like helping recruit students to campus and help them during that transition was something I was always really passionate about. So the opportunity to work with students again sounded really interesting. Um, and I'd loved working for the brands I'd worked with before, but the opportunity to work at Utah State and then connect with all of these different outdoor brands and engage with all of them sounded really exciting. Um, and so I applied and um, it worked out and fast forward to now um, and I'm still doing it. Um, and I think the job looks very different from when I started, um, but it's pretty exciting to see, you know, how far we've come as a program and, and all the success it's had in the last few years. So that was kind of a long explanation of where I've come from, but hopefully it gives you an idea of kind of like what drives me and what gets me excited about the current role that I'm in. No, I love that. And well, Chase, I can, I can certainly say I'm also a recovering planner, um, and I think I'm trying to move towards intentionality over planning. And, and this actually really harkens back to uh, a lot of what the Career Design Center is, is also trying to promote rather than a five-year plan, really talking about designing your next step forward, because that's what we actually have control over. What can we do today, tomorrow, rather than what's going to happen in five years from now? What's the crystal ball? Like that just doesn't exist. And so I appreciate you you mentioning that because um, I think there's a lot of kind of career myths around planning. And again, planning is so good, I, I think, for intention purposes, but uh, but we certainly can't uh, assume it's going to work out exactly like that. So I appreciate that thought. Yeah. Um, and I also have to say it's interesting. I've interviewed a lot of folks on this podcast and a lot of the change makers that I have interviewed describe a very similar story of saying the thing I wanted didn't actually super exist. <laughs> and so I just kind of asked, I said, hey, can I do that thing? Can I just make that happen myself? Um, and so it's interesting to hear that come out in your story and really what a cool opportunity it led to. I think oftentimes when students think about experiential learning, immediately they go on Indeed or they go on Handshake and say, okay, what's, what internships are available? Not necessarily a bad approach, but if you're really going for the dream job, like you can't just stop there. It is a starting point. Um, and so I really appreciate, again, that intentionality of saying, well, what do I want? Well, let me ask him if it's possible. Uh, so I think I think that's something, uh, a reoccurring theme I've noticed across a lot of folks who, who move the needle. So I, again, I appreciate hearing that come through in your story. Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of like creating your own opportunities. And I think as we talk about like what my recommendations are for students, that'll probably come out. It's something that I talk to students a lot about is, is yeah, kind of that active versus passive approach. And I very much think that applying on Indeed is kind of a necessary evil, right? It's like you do have to formally apply for positions, but how do you stand out beyond, you know, just submitting your resume? How do you make that resume stand out to the hiring manager? How do you become more than just words on a page um, or images in a portfolio? And, and I think there's, there's a lot of things that students can do to take more of that active approach of like creating opportunities versus waiting for opportunities to come to you. And again, there's limits to that. Like I've had to train myself to step back and realize that I, I can't do everything. And I, you know, um, I've had to work on, on some of that, but I think there's a lot of students who can do a little bit more and think about it from that perspective, right? It's like, how do I set myself apart from other people who are applying for these positions and think about it from the hiring manager's perspective of, I have all these resumes that show up. 
how do I, how do I make myself stand out? How do I become a real human being versus just, you know, a, a resume that shows up on their desk that's easy to dissect and, and throw out? Yes. In fact, let's let's go there. Let's talk a little bit about, I kind of want to move into this idea of career prototyping. It's really experiential learning. It's it's really any way that you can test a possible future you, possible future career and say, okay, did that work for me? Did I like that? Did it, did I not like that? Um, and so when we think about like prototyping the design setting, I mean, that's probably a, a term you use all the time. Again, it's this idea of something cheap, something quick, something we can just, we can try, you know, tomorrow, today, whatever, and see how it goes. When you think about careers, I mean, talk to me about some prototypes, maybe you, you and you've touched on a lot of these already, but maybe you've tried or, or you, you would recommend to students. Well, I mean, some of this, like, uh, like I, while here at Utah State, there's like lots of things that I've wanted to be able to do for me personally, like as career-wise, like I've wanted to start a podcast. I had no experience podcasting. Um, and the the interesting thing is like, and I, and I knew my department didn't have funds to just go buy microphones and, and tools to do that. Um, and so I kind of figured out who has the equipment and who would be willing to teach me. And I literally just walked over to the TSC and connected with people at student media, because I knew Aggie radio and student media have podcasts and they do all, all of that. Um, and I made a connection there and it's a friend to this day who kind of started to mentor me. We, we talked about creating a podcast focused on the outdoors, you know, here in the region it's evolved since then, but the origins were let's tell stories about people in the outdoors um, here in, in Logan, because we both love the outdoors and, and all the local opportunities here. And so they kind of took a chance on me because I was interested and passionate and willing to learn and ask the question. Um, they loaned me some equipment um, and that evolved into what our podcast is now, which is more focused on talking about outdoor industry and, and taking advantage of the guest speakers that we have coming to campus. Um, but I, hopefully that kind of shows you my approach is you know, I even here on Utah State campus, there's so many resources. There's so many people that are around us. It's kind of just a matter of asking um, in some ways. It's not always that easy, but um, I, I think expressing interest and showing passion for something goes a long way. And so I recommend students do that, right? It's like, try try something, right? It's like, maybe you do want to... Um, like work, work for a specific company. No one says that you can't reach out to someone from that company and ask to job shadow. Job shadowing is one of those things that I think is underutilized. I wish I would have done it while I was going to school. I always thought it was internship or bust. Um, but I think there's so many other opportunities for students to prototype that experience. And I think a job shadow is one of those. And I've, I've heard plenty of stories from people who work in our industry that they job shadowed and their job shadow became more than like a, a, a one day job shadow. It turned into a week job shadow. And then eventually people at the company saw this person kind of sitting around and observing and they just said, well, why don't we put you to work? You're going to be here already. Let's just have you intern. Um, so I think there's value to just hanging around, right? It's like being present, being top of mind for these people. And I think job shadow is a good way of doing that while also giving you that experience and 
so much of like going to college, like you don't know what you don't know. Um, and you don't know what a career actually looks like until you're in it. Um, so I think job shadowing is probably like my number one. That was a long way of getting to like, you know, putting yourself out there and, and just asking the question whether you can, you know, job shadow, um, and, and learn a little bit more about the company and even like lower stakes than a job shadow is, can I just jump on a call with you and talk about what you do and what your day-to-day looks like? And you can start to piece together. It's like, what does the role of a designer actually look like? What does a product developer actually do day-to-day? What does a product line manager do and what's their, their experience like? So I, I think those are a couple things that I've found really valuable that students can do. 100%. And in fact, you, you just touched on so many design principles and I just want to highlight these for, for our listeners. Number one, you talked about this, this mindset that I think great designers know they can't design alone. They need a design team. And so whether that's reaching out to a faculty member or a, an office that, you know, is across, across the way from you, whatever it may be, um, other people have resources, time, knowledge, things that you don't have yet. And so I think that that idea of just saying, hmm, who can help me is really important. And it really harkens back to that idea of, of networking too. You're just reaching out. And, and oftentimes I think when we, especially early on in our careers, we network to build our own career. But the idea is that eventually it becomes a two-way street. You know, somebody helps you out early on in your career, you give back to them right down the road. And so again, I think there's some some common misconceptions around networking is just, you know, this one-sided, whatever thing it's like, no, it's, it's really about relationship building. Although at the beginning, I think it tends to feel a little bit more one-sided just because we're, we're a little more needy. Yeah. Well, I think, I think students definitely feel that. And I can feel that too, right? It feels very transactional. And, and I think people on the other end, employers feel that too. They, they can feel when a student is reaching out, just asking if internships are available. 100%. And that's the, that's the quickest way for an employer to say, well, check our career page. Yes. Like, don't, don't talk yes. to me, go to the career page. And so that's one thing that I really, actually, I teach a class in the, in the spring semester. It's, it's kind of an industry prep kind of professional development class for our juniors and seniors. And that's one thing that we talk about um, quite a bit is this idea of like, get it, get into the mind of the person that you're reaching out to and think about like, what kind of message would you want to get from someone cold, some student you've never heard from before? You don't know, like, what would that message look like? What What's a message that you would respond to if you were on the other end? Um, and and I, I tell the students, like, don't lead with asking about internships because it feels like you just want something. And, um, and you're just trying to use that person to get it. I really, to your point, like networking is relationship building. And I think for a lot of students, networking feels like it just doesn't feel genuine to them. It, it didn't to me. Um, but as soon as I start thinking about networking as like, I'm just being curious and I'm asking questions Yes. Um, and I'm treating it as a learning opportunity and a chance to be like, I treat it as like being a sponge, right? Like I'm just here to learn. I think people pick up on that energy and I feel like, I feel like if you're approached and you're asked a question that does something for your ego, right? It's like, someone's asking me a question. Like they think of I know me as an authority. Yeah. <laughs> and I think whether we feel that way or not, I think to a degree, we all feel something like that, or at least I do. I can't speak for everybody, but so I, I talked to our students about that. It's like, before you even talk about like internships or jobs, like you have to build a relationship 
And the way that you do that right now is your role as a student is you're a learner. And so go in asking questions about what it's like to be a product designer and how they got to where they're at and send them your portfolio and say, would you mind like giving me some feedback? I'm just trying to grow and learn. And, you know, maybe through that experience, they see a spark in that student and, or they see something in the portfolio and, um, and, and from that experience, it's easier to then make that jump to, Hey, by the way, like, do you ever have internships available? I've really enjoyed this interaction. Like I've really appreciated your feedback. I it sounds really interesting what you all do at, at this company. Um, what do internships look like? Or is there a chance to job shadow and like learn a little bit more in person? So I, I really push our students to focus on like building genuine, authentic relationships and lead with curiosity and questions and treat it as a learning experience. Um, and then down the road, it, it could turn into an internship. But I think setting that expectation for you are networking to learn versus you're networking to get a job kind of it, it lessens everything. Like it's, it's not as heightened, um, that whole experience and the expectations come down and it's all about learning versus I have to have an internship at this point or a job by the time I graduate. It's, it's all about learning. That's kind of my approach. And I think that's helped, helped students in a lot of ways. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I, I really appreciate you, you highlighting two really common we call them prototype like exercises, I guess, but this idea of like prototype conversations, informational interviews, hopping on a quick call um, and, and saying, hey, tell me more about the work that you do. Why do you care about this? Who doesn't want to share, right? Yeah. I guess unless they hated their job, which in case, you know, you'd learn to, but, but, you know, nine times out of 10, people love to share why they do what they do. Um, and so I think that's, like you say, a really easy entry point to, to just starting networking and, and learning more about a company or industry. And then additionally, these, these other kind of prototype activities, whether it's a job shadow, volunteering, you've touched on so many of them, but again, easy entry points for just getting your foot in the door. Uh, and it doesn't have to be an internship. I think that's such a good reminder. Um, with that, I want to make sure we talk a little bit about your podcast. And I want to skip over that because I think it's number one, really interesting content. But number two, I actually think it can be a really great resource for students for interest. Maybe that they're listening to this conversation thinking, oh, I need to check out this degree. Maybe this could be a resource or a prototype for them to learn a little bit more. So talk to us a little bit about what is the let's let's go with the current goal of the podcast. If you want to share history leading up to this point, feel free. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I feel like oh, there's there's so many goals for the podcast. Um, I probably should narrow them down. But yeah, <laughs> the origin of the podcast is very much in that like I wanted to have a podcast. So some of it was a little selfish. It was like, I, that's something I want to do. I want to scratch that itch. Like I'd love to have that professional experience. Um, I'd that. always been in, I've always been interested in the medium and the, you know, the, I I'm a big podcast listener, my listener myself. So I always really, I enjoy that. I, I enjoy it as a platform. Um, I get a lot of value out of it. Um, and so initially it was kind of for me. Um, but as, as, you know, as I started to, we had started to have conversations mostly about outdoor recreation and, you know, kind of things happening in our local community. I started to realize that, you know, through my role, which a, a big part of my role is building industry partnerships and getting industry to campus and connecting students and industry partners. Like we, we'd have industry partners come to campus and these are people from under armor and Cotopaxi and black time and, you know, really great people coming to our classes and speaking. And I thought, well, that's really great for that one class for 50 minutes. And then that content's gone forever. Um, 
you know, and it impacted that one group of students. Um, but, you know, you can't retain everything and you would love to revisit, you know, that content at some point. So it really started with whenever we had a, a guest speaker, I'd also just invite them into the podcast booth and we'd do an interview. Um, and, and now, you know, especially with, with COVID changing everything, um, we moved a lot of our guest speakers to Zoom, um, which in a way was really positive for us because, you know, up to that point, we were thinking so locally where we would only invite guest speakers to campus if they could get to Logan. And um, now with Zoom, we we have had guest speakers from all over the country and um, even internationally speak to our students. Um, and then through Zoom, as we're doing right now, right, it's, it's so easy to hit record um, and capture the video and audio that we just started doing that and repurposing those lectures, um, you know, into, into the podcast, um, so that current students could revisit them. Um, we could recognize our guest speakers for, for coming and taking the time. Everyone likes to be recognized. Um, and so that was a nice tangible way of saying, Hey, like Under Armour came and spoke to our, our campus or to our students listen along. Um, and then another outcome that I didn't really expect is for recruitment. Um, you know, there's potential students who maybe want to learn about the industry and learn about the program. They can listen to the podcast and and kind of get an idea of like what we do in the program. And our current students can get a feel for, yeah, you know, what what is it like to be a product designer at, at Under Armour or Patagonia or any of these companies? Um, so it's been a really powerful tool for us. Um it's a full-time job. <laughs> I didn't expect how much time it would take as you have probably discovered your wealth familiar. Um, but it's worthwhile. Um, as I look at like the numbers, as I, I, as I hear students responses, like it's so worthwhile to capture these stories because it at least gives the students an opportunity to put them their themselves in the shoes of you know, these people who are speaking to the the program and it's not that full prototype experience that we're talking about, but at least, you know, they, it can maybe start sparking some of those questions again, they don't know what they don't know. So this is the first step, just gaining knowledge about the industry. And then from there that sparks questions and curiosity and, um, they can, they can go from there. Um, and, and another thing I feel like I've talked about a lot with our students is that in any industry, there's so much, like we can't teach everything in our program. Um, and I think that's the same of business and engineering and like so much of what, you know, we give you, we, you know, and I'm a connections instructor for this fall and I was last semester or last year too. And so this idea of becoming a learner is like so ingrained in me. Um, like that's what we do here at Utah state is we teach them how to think and how to learn. Um, so that when they get into industry, like they can pick up all the other stuff that's just that is just in the air when you're at a company every day, like all the the lingo and the nuance and everything that comes with working at a company that we can't cover here in the curriculum. So um, that's you know I, I I don't know I don't know where I was going with that, but hopefully that gives you kind it, of an <laughs> idea of like why the podcast is so valuable. We've had a lot of success with it and we're going to keep doing it. Um, I take a few weeks off here and there because it is a lot, um, but it's so worthwhile and we're going to keep doing it. No, I love that. And I'll make sure 
um, folks will be able to access it, access uh, the podcast. We'll include a link so they can check that out. Again, I think I, I did just a teeny teaser of looking at some content and I, I think it's fantastic and, and a great resource. Again, a little mini prototype for students to check out. So I, I love that. Um, I do want to spend some time talking specifically about internships. I've so appreciated this broader perspective of experiential learning. Now we're going to drill a little bit um, because I think internships have some really unique value um, in terms of, of career prototyping. Um, and so maybe to start, again, internships can kind of be this overwhelming term for students. So Chase, if a student were to ask you, what is an internship, just broadly speaking, what would you say? An internship is an opportunity for a student to get that, you know, just kind of get that exposure to what life is like in that role and what your responsibilities are. It's also an opportunity for um, for you to do some meaningful work. That's something I am really passionate about is that internships, uh, they're for you to actually do something meaningful. It's not for you to just, you know, get, grab coffee for people. It's you're there to contribute. Um, so that, that's what I would say about an internship. It's a snapshot, you know, into what your role would be at that company for a short period of time. Um, and it's also kind of a trial period for some companies, right. To, to see if you're a good fit for something longer term, not every company does that. Um, you know, some companies don't, you know, there's, there's a number of companies that hire interns, but it's, they don't always have a role at the end of it. That's full time. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, but for, from a, this, a student perspective, that's what I would say. It's, it's just kind of an opportunity for you to, to learn what, what that, you know, some of those responsibilities are at a company and, um, get some real experience under your belt. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Succinct, short, clear. I, I really appreciate that. And if we're kind of thinking on the academic side and, and specifically within your program, what can students expect? You know, is it going to be required that they have to take an internship? Does it depend on the the different major? Maybe talk us through a little bit academically what to expect. Yeah, it's not required in our program, but it's highly encouraged. Um, and I think anyone who work, wants to work in this industry and work in product, uh, whether it's design development, product management, um, that's, I think most of our students realize that that's something they need to do. Um, so we didn't feel like it used to be required. It's not anymore. Um, but I haven't seen a dip in students trying to get internships um, because of that. So um, sorry, I lost track of your question. No, you're good. Yeah. We were just talking about kind of on the academic side, defining yeah. what an internship. Yeah. Might be. Right. Um, for us, you know, there's, there's a, a process we have to get the internship approved. Um, and because our programs, you know, there's, we want them to get relevant experience if they're going to get it approved for credit, they can do that in our program. Um, and that counts for an elective credit, which is, which is so valuable. Um, we want them to be able to get something academically, you know, for putting that time in. Um, so we, you know, students will present an internship to us um, and we'll go through a process of, you know, um, asking them to work with their manager to come up with learning objectives. Um, and we'll go back and forth and just make sure that that internship is actually relevant to what their emphasis is. And within our program, we have a design emphasis, a product development emphasis and product management. And so depending on their emphasis, their internship should relate to product creation in some way. And if it doesn't, then, you know, it, it's not going to get approved for academic credit. 
Um, we, we just don't want them to go work. I don't know. I don't even know what a bad, a bad example would be because even at some point I, I didn't feel comfortable with students going and like working retail. Um, mm. and I didn't feel like that was relevant until we opened up this product management emphasis within our program, which so many product managers who work at these companies, like start on the retail floor. And, and, and so we, we approve experiences like that as, as well, which is great here locally with companies like Al's and sportsman's warehouse and the sportsman. And so that's been actually really positive for us and has been a good learning experience for students. So yeah, the coming up with learning objectives is really critical to that process of getting the internship approved. And, and then I think it helps the student and the manager be on the same page. The expectations are the same for what they're going to accomplish over the period of time that they're working there. Um, and it gives the student something to work towards. And, and, you know, we hold employers feet to the fire too. It's like, we want them to know that this, you know, they're not just, they're, you know, they need to invest in the student. They need to provide meaningful opportunities for the student to learn. Um, and, and I think that's been helpful going through this process of making sure the employer is also a part of coming up with the objectives and, and, you know, they sign the form, you know, when, you know, that, you know, we, we've talked with the student and we approve these objectives and we're on the same page. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what we expect from an internship from. Yeah. From super helpful. And maybe tie in, cause we haven't really talked about this super obviously talk about how your role kind of supports this whole process. Like if a student is, is thinking about an internship, where do you come into that process? Yeah. Um, to my whole role is kind of, it's, it's interesting. Um, cause I do a little bit of everything. Um, I, I primarily say that my job is I do industry outreach for the program, but I also market the program. Um, and I see those things as very like hand in hand, like, um, so much of our industry relations fuels our marketing. Like when we place a student at an internship or job, we want to promote that. And we want to highlight that that's our best marketing. Um, so they, they really work hand in hand. Um, so I, I'm constantly talking with industry partners about opportunities to collaborate and work together. Um, when, in, uh, when companies want to advertise internships, um, you know, they'll, they'll reach out to us and we'll distribute those. We'll share those with our, with our students. Um, and I think, I think companies have really liked that because it's very targeted. They know what our program is. They know, who our students are. And they know that if they send internships directly through the program, they, you know, they're going to get that, that core audience that they're looking for. Um, so I kind of facilitate that, you know, advertising internships. We'll do that every couple of weeks. I'll kind of gather a list of internships that I've either had sent to me. Um, I'll go to industry specific job boards every couple of weeks and compile a list um, and send those out to students. Um, but then I, you know, so through that students, you know, if they complete an internship or they want to do an internship, they can contact me and then we'll go through the approval process. If they do want credit, they don't have to, if, you know, if they're not getting credit, they can just go do their internship. I always try to stay in touch with the students so that if someone does get an internship, I can highlight it. Um, cause I wanted, you know, again, that's really good marketing for the program, um, to showcase the brands that we're working with, where our students are ending up. It's great for prospective students to see that, this degree leads to something, um, you know, down the road career wise. Um, but then I also do some like career planning with students too. I have a number of students who will come and talk to me about 
um, you know, how should I be approaching this company? Or I have questions about negotiating. I got a job offer, you know, um, and so I kind of will do some career planning a little bit with students where a lot of it is um, very much, okay, where do you want to end up? Now let's reverse engineer, like how you want to get to that company. So let's say you want to work for Nike um, upon graduation. Like what's the internship that we should get you, um, you know, your end of your sophomore year or between your junior senior year so that you have internship experience going into that experience with Nike. Um, who are you going to connect with on LinkedIn and start to have those conversations even in your sophomore year yes. so that, you know, three years later, you have a three-year relationship with, you know, someone of the company. Um, so a lot of my kind of career planning conversations um, go, kind of go that way. It's like, okay, where do you want to go? Um, and how are we going to get you there? So that's a kind of a little bit of what I do when it comes to like internships and career planning and places. All of the things is what I just learned. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a lot. I'm, I'm working on limits too, because I can't do it all either. So, but I think, I think those are all really important and it, and it fuels a lot of, I think what we do as a program, like I said, um, capturing that information about where students is, are getting placed just helps us when we promote the program and, and market the program. It's kind of, I think we've built something where um, our success feels more success, um, which is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and let's kind of pivot a little bit here. We're talking big picture. Okay, I, maybe I'm getting an internship. I've connected with Chase, like and we're moving forward. Maybe talk us through some common like do's and don'ts of internships or, or really just professional, you know, working in a professional setting. You know, and if, if this is maybe students first time getting an internship or maybe even a job ever, like what are some things you recommend and, and maybe do not recommend? Yeah, um, I would say do ask lots of questions. I think students are kind of afraid to, in some cases, to be that person, whatever that person means. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't think anyone wants to be annoying, but like, I've been on the other end of like people asking me good questions. And like, I get excited about that. Like if I have a student that like approaches me and like wants to talk about jobs and careers, like I'm going to invest in that person. Right. Because I see the fire. Um, and I think um, employers are like that too. Right. I don't think they want someone who's just going to clock in and out. Now there's limits to that, right? So I think there's things that students need to watch out for where you you need to have boundaries and you need to not work yourself to the bone. Um and you don't you don't want to be taken advantage of either. Um, but I think there are things that students can do, right? Around like asking lots of questions, be really curious. Like just because you work for one team doesn't mean you can't cross the line and go like talk to other people in the organization, right? Set up informational interviews, like while you're at a company um, and learn about other job functions. Like no one says you can't do that. I don't think any employer would say, don't talk to anyone. How dare you talk to somebody else? <laughs> if, if that's the case, don't work for that company. Like that's not a good place to be. Um, so I would, I think that's underutilized too, right? It's like, and I think there's a lot of opportunity for interns, like get your work done. And again, if it's not, if you if you have the capacity to do more or like go to another team and we've had students do this, right? When they're doing an internship, it's like, 
you know, I've finished my work, but I'm really interested in this other product line. Like I'm working on, I don't know, let's just say backpacks, but Hey, I'd really love to dip my toe into this other project that another team is doing. Like no one says you can't go over there and say, Hey, do you, do you all need some help? Like, I would love to learn more about what you all are doing. And if I can help do any work, like happy to help. So I think there's things like that, especially in the design world that's like very encouraged. Like you have designers who work on lots of different teams and contribute. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, put yourself out there, um, be curious, ask questions, like learn about the whole company while you're there. Don't just do your one function. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity to take advantage of, of that experience. Um, don'ts. It's kind of the opposite of everything I just said. <laughs> um, that's a, I, I didn't think as much about the don'ts, but I, I think the do's maybe speak for themselves. Sure. And I, I think on the don't end, a lot of it is like, just don't not do anything. Like as long as you're doing something, you're trying to, you know, yeah. prototype, you're trying to test something out. I think that's kind of what you just described of putting yourself out there, connecting with people. Right. So, yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's great. I think along those lines, right? Like so much, what and maybe you feel differently. I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Like, I feel like so much of getting a job is a lot of its personality and fit. And like, I, I've kind of described it this way to students, right? It's like the, the, the portfolio and the resume for our students, like gets you the interview and then your personality and like your ability to communicate um, is like sometimes the thing that like gets you the job, right? Because like people want to work with other people that are pleasant to be around and a good fit and a good teammate. No one wants to clock in and work 40 hours plus with, you know, a week with people that they don't enjoy being around. And I think I, I feel like that's a lot of the decision-making that goes into hiring people. Like we need someone who can do the job and do it really well, but we also want to work with someone that's pleasant to be with. So that's a big do for me is like, be pleasant, like be a good person. Like these, I shouldn't have to say these things, but I, I feel like be, be a good communicator, be someone that's pleasant to be around, be someone that you would want to work with. Right. It's like that golden rule of, of, um, you know, working for a company, I, but I don't know if that's said enough, but I think it's worth, worth saying for sure. No, I appreciate that. And in fact, um, you know, oftentimes we talk to students about the NACE core competencies, National Association of Colleges Employers, they do a bunch of research and ask employers, like, what do you want in future candidates? And time and time again, communication reoccurs on the top eight things they always need. And so I think, I think you bring up a really good point. We could have a whole conversation and and, and just process whether or not we think uh, it should be that way um, in some settings, because it's interesting, you know, I don't know if you've served on a lot of hiring committees, Chase, but I know when I have um, you know, you typically have like, okay, here, are the, like you said, the qualifications, the things they have to meet the checkbox on, but there's always the after discussion, whether or not that should occur again. There's, you know, maybe thoughts on, cause it's hard. We want to avoid, you know, bias and discrimination and, and all of those things. Um, but certainly the way that you communicate, the way you present yourself. And, and I think you're right to some extent, that personality of, can I work with this person? Do I want to work with this person? I think it is factored in. And so being mindful of those things, again, I guess if a, if a company uses those things to disadvantage someone, you know, whether it's bias and, and whatever else, 
lucky for you, you, you didn't get hired by a company who, who, who uses those things. It shouldn't happen in the first place. But yeah. anyway, I'm just kind of word vomiting right at this moment, processing all of those different <laughs> things in the background. But but it is an interesting concept. And I think I think just like you said, being able to communicate your best professional self to folks, whether it's on the resume, in the interview process, it all matters. And if you have already done your homework and you've volunteered with the company or you've interned with the company, they don't have to ask that question of, could I get along with this person? Because they already know they've already interacted with you. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. Well, well and I guess prob- probably more than pers- personality is probably not the right way of saying it. I think like at the end of the day, it's about trust, right? Do I trust mm-hmm. this person? That's probably, I would I think like one that. of the biggest factors behind like hiring someone's like, can I trust this person to get the work done? Yes. Um, and be a positive contribute contributor to the organization. And it, like, you have to prove that in an interview, which is very difficult, right? It's like, how do, how do you convey trust like to the people that are looking to hire you? Um, and I think that's to your point, right? Like that's why the job shadowing, the conversations leading up to the, you know, the interview, like the networking, the relationship building, like that's all about helping you develop trust with yes. people and the larger organization. So that's probably more of like what hinges on it, right? It's like, do we trust this person? Um, yes, I appreciate that clarification. And I, you know, I think oftentimes we talk about, oh, what's their track record? But really what we mean is, can we trust them? Mm-hmm. It's not really about the track record. It's, can we trust them based yeah. on their past performance, their past interaction? Yeah, good right. point. Ooh, well, that's and a- I- and I think like communication is one of those things that we don't talk enough about. And what I really appreciate about the um, connections like curriculum, I'm going to promote connections again. Um, but like so much of that is about like fostering the habits of mind, right? That we talk about like communication, problem solving, um, you know, critical thinking. Um, and sometimes like even I feel this way at work, right? It's like sometimes I go home. And I'm like, did I even work today? Cause I just had a lot of conversations. Like I did a lot of emails. I had like a lot of meetings and there's a point where meetings are not helpful, but sometimes like you're just saying, you're talking in the hallway with one of your, you know, one of our faculty members. And we, we come up with some, I don't know, some opportunity or we kind of make a breakthrough, right? Um, that's work. And I don't think that gets appreciated enough sometimes. And I think students, I don't know if they feel like, how important that is sometimes that it's like communication is work, right? So like, that's one of those things that you really need to develop, like over the course of your college career, like in an internship, that ability to ability to communicate is one of those like vital factors in whether you're going to get hired or not. And I don't know if we place enough like value on it or talk about it enough that like, no, like you're here at school to learn how to communicate and in your internship, yeah, maybe it doesn't feel like you did anything, but if you had like meaningful conversations and you solved problems, like that's that's work. Um, I have to like snap myself out of that line of thinking too, where it's like, oh, I just like talk to my coworkers. It's like, no, like, but we I was got, just in meetings all day, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's like we had productive meetings, like we got stuff done, like we made some breakthroughs. So I, I don't I, I don't know if that makes sense to to listeners, but I I think that focus on communication is, could be, I think there could be a more focus on that for sure. 
I agree, Chase. And in fact, oh, I'm so excited. We're going to have to have like 10 hundred conversations after this conversation. But um, the Career Design Center is currently working on a badging initiative university-wide. And what we're hoping is to highlight the eight um, core competencies that NACE has outlined, communication being one of the important ones. And, uh, you know, because we, we, we're, we're realizing the same thing. Um, and I think it, this even harkens back to this idea of return on investment. Why am I getting a college degree? And I'll just be honest and saying, I don't think institutions, generally speaking, um, of higher education have done a great job of telling students, the reason you're taking this gen ed course is because this is actually going to help you get a job, or this is actually going to help you, you know, insert whatever their, their outcome is post, post-graduation. Um, and so, you know, knowing the institutions, sometimes, you know, we have great intentions, we have great curriculum, we have all the good things, but we don't tell the story to students in a way that I think always resonates with them. And so our center is really hoping that this badging program, which we'll be launching in, in just in the next couple of months, is really to bring focus to that connection. Oh, I am taking this English 1010 course because being able to write an email that is understandable and doesn't take the person 1000 years to read and understand is a valuable employer skill. Like people need that skill. Anyway, so I guess I'm just shamelessly plugging at this point, but, but we see that value too. employers and employers tell us this, that we need students who can communicate. And so I just appreciate you uh, bringing this up because I think it's often overlooked too. And I hope, I hope in the future we'll bring more awareness. <laughs> well, and I think the badging will be really valuable, right? Because how do you, how do you show on a resume that you're a good communicator? I mean, that's yeah. part of what the interview is for, right? But like, how do you get from the screening to the interview so you can display that and show that, you know, that's, I think maybe deep down, there's some insecurity in me that like, I wanted to create a podcast to prove that I'm a good communicator. So I have a tangible thing that I can say, I communicate, right? But not everyone needs to go start a podcast. So I, I think the badging could be really valuable because it gives employers like some indication that that you know this potential you know employee like has that skill set um or at least we can move them from interview state or uh, uh screening to interview and we can kind of feel it out from there and actually see like okay what what is their communication style like their- absolutely and part of the badging process so they have to they have to submit artifacts to kind of show competency of the skill but then the other piece of it too is they have to either submit a resume of bullet points or like an interview um elevator pitch isn't the right word but basically articulate here's here's how I would talk about this accomplishment in an interview so exactly what you're saying again how do I take what I'm I'm learning in my internship in my classes and then tell the employer I have this thing right. <laughs> so important <laughs> right well and that's where the the connecting with industry on LinkedIn like LinkedIn untapped resource for so many students yes like just some of it's just practice well a lot of it's just practice right it's like I think I've gotten pretty good at reaching out to em- employers cold because I've just I've messaged thousands of employers cold, right? And so I've been able to like craft how we talk about the program and I've kind of learned a little bit of like, you know, how how to best approach, you know, a potential industry partner and it that's just practice and so I recommend students like carve out, you know, on their schedules like time every week to just you know, send LinkedIn in, you know, connection invitations and like craft messages and, and just, it, it doesn't feel like you're growing when you do that. But like, if you look at it over four years of doing that while you're in college, 
um, and beyond, like your ability to communicate is just, is going to increase, you know, some of it's like incremental, but if you carve out that time every week, you know, for four years while you're here and beyond, like, you know, your ability to communicate, it's, there's no way it can't improve by doing it that much every, you know, every week consistently. Absolutely. Okay. Chase, can you believe it's already been an hour? (laughs) This always blows my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can always do, do another one if in the future, if you'd like. (laughs) We may have to have part two. Um, two, I do want to ask two quick questions before we wrap up today. Um, the first one is, I, and I guess it's more of just tell me, I, I want to know a little bit more about some upcoming projects, initiatives, things that are coming down the pipeline that you are excited about. Well, the Outdoor Recreation Archive is always happening. Um, and that's like something I'm super passionate about personally, but also there's a huge value for the program. And um, I don't know if we have time, but I, I can give a little background on that. Um, it's a collaboration between our program and USU Special Collections and Archives um, in the basement of the library. And if you don't know, the the library and archives, like most universities have an archive and their mission is to preserve state, regional, local history, and they take care of paper um, for the long term. And um, we had a faculty member approach them about creating an, a collection of materials focused on the outdoor industry. And uh, then I got involved and we started reaching out to industry partners and, and individuals and started gathering um, printed documents that we could preserve here at, at the archive. Um, and that turned into what is now a collection of over 10,000 catalogs and magazines from over 800 different outdoor brands. Mm-hmm. And they're all housed here at the university. Um, we've created an Instagram account that I manage that we post a catalog cover that we scan every day to um, that account. And it's it's gained thousands of, of followers um, and is becoming like a design resource, not only for our students to get design inspiration, but from people in the industry. Um, and so that's that's been a really powerful tool for us. It's it's opened a lot of doors. Um, we have brands that will travel here to campus to come and look at the collection, look at the materials. And then while they're here, we get them involved in different classes. So it's become a really powerful tool to promote the program. Um as well as a powerful resource for the design students. Um, so we actually, this fall, we have some pretty fun stuff coming up with that. We we do some exhibits with the archive too. So we'll take the materials and we'll travel with it. So we're actually going to Portland, um, Oregon uh, in the fall, and we're going to be displaying um, a collect, or we're going to create an exhibit focused on the history of waterproofing mm-hmm. in the outdoor industry. Um, and we're going to display that at a, at a trade show. Um, and it's a trade show that has designers from all the biggest brands. So they come and see the materials. And then through that, I get to talk with them about partnership opportunities with the program. Um, last year we did the same thing up in Portland. And while we were there, we got to exhibit the materials up at Nike headquarters and met with 80 plus of, of their designers, um, and talked to them about the program and, and about the materials. Um, and then we're actually traveling out to Munich, Germany, um, beginning of October with the collection. So we're going to be exhibiting the materials there and um, meeting with brands in Germany. Um, so very excited about that. Our, our fall is is pretty busy um, with that. Um, the archive has been really amazing tool. Um, and then a, a couple other things that we're doing, we have brands 
um, that sponsor some of our um, studio courses. So we have um, we have a brand every semester that comes in and does design reviews with our students. So uh, for the juniors and seniors, they have to present their capstone projects to industry halfway through the semester uh, virtually. And then the brand comes to campus at the end of semester and the students will present their their, their concepts to the brand and get feedback and critique. Um, so we have a company that's going to be doing that. Oh, it's not confirmed yet, but we've done that for the last uh, few semesters. We've had um, we've had the North Face and Under Armour, Patagonia, um, Cotopaxi all like do design reviews for our students. So that's exciting coming up in the fall. Uh, we have design sprints that we do um, during the semester too. So we'll have a company come up um, on a Friday when our lab space is open. And it's kind of like a project runway type experience where the company will actually bring a design brief. So something that they're working on that they'd love to get, you know, some new fresh ideas on. And um, we'll have a group of, you know, 12 or so students come in for the day and they'll break up into teams and they'll try to tackle that design challenge together. And they'll work on it over the course of the day. And then at the end of the day, they present you know, their concepts back to the company. Um, so a really cool opportunity for students to engage with industry and uh, for industry to see, you know, interact with some students, potentially identify some for future internships. Um, and then I think what's most exciting for us, and you saw this, you had a tour of our, our new space. We're really excited about being in the Janet Quinney Lawson building, north side. You can only enter from that north door, um, but it's our new design studio. Um, so there's workspaces in there for students, there's projects on the walls, all our faculty are in the building. Um, so I think for us, we're just excited to be in a home we can call our own on campus. And there's a space where students can linger, they can meet each other, they can work on projects together. Um, it's kind of been a game changer for us. So if anyone wants to come visit, come by the, the new um, Janet Quinney Lawson space, JQL. Uh, north entrance and and uh, happy to show you around the space and you can come see what our students are working on. It's such a fun space. Yeah, I highly recommend everybody check it out. Even if you're not on the Logan campus, if you happen to make a trip up there, I highly recommend it. Um, all right, Chase, in the last just seconds that we have here, I do, I do want to give you time. Is there anything else, any plugs you want to give programs? We've talked about a lot in this episode, but are there any other things you're like, hey, if you don't know about this, you should know about this. <laughs> Um, that's a good question. Um, in terms of like resources, I, I don't know. I just, it's so basic, but I just LinkedIn, like use LinkedIn is so valuable. It's, it's, there are certain days when I'm on there and I send a message to someone, um, who I don't think will get back to me. Maybe, you know, they're not at my level. Um, you know, but I've, I've reached out to people. It's like, Early on in my time in the program, when we were initially building our relationships with companies, like I emailed the CEO of LL Bean, massive outdoor company, and he emailed me back and he couldn't help me necessarily with what I was asking for, but he said, let me connect you with someone at the company and they can take it from there. And you can't get a better endorsement than the CEO telling, you know, introducing you to someone. Um, and so I have moments like that where I'm you know, I'm still kind of blown away that people are as accessible as they are yes. and they're just a message away. And, you know, as soon as you get over that feeling of, you know, one, one of our guest speakers described it as rejection therapy, right? It's like, 
you're going to have people who say no, or they won't respond. But as soon as you get comfortable with that idea of just like shooting your shot and you don't know if it's going to go in unless you shoot it. Um, and the worst thing that can happen is someone doesn't respond to your message and that's okay. Um, I, I think that's really empowering. So that's kind of one of my big takeaways for, for students is like, just start getting that practice, start learning how to reach out to people, have conversations. And, and as soon as you can kind of get over that feeling of, oh, they didn't respond and that it's not personal. Um, I think that's where students can make a lot of headway in terms of like reaching out to people, building real relationships that can turn into, um, you know, internships, jobs, learning experiences down the road. Absolutely agree. All right, Chase, I promise this is the final question. I'm pretty sure I've turned all the questions into like three parters. I will keep this one simple for you. <laughs> um, but in closing today, I'd love to just have you share, if you were sitting down with 18-year-old Chase, what career advice would you give him? I, you know, I thought about this question and um, it was kind of hard because I, I don't know if I'd read, like do anything super differently with the way that I've done things. I, I do feel like I would have job shadowed more. I, I wish I would have taken that opportunity as a student. Cause I, I just think people look at you a little differently when you're a student and are more willing to give you opportunities or more willing to answer questions. Like if I was working for Patagonia, I, I don't know if I can necessarily just go reach out to someone at the North face and say, Hey, can I job? I can't, can I job shadow? Like it's almost a pass card, isn't it? Oh, Hey, I'm a yeah. student. Like you can yeah. say that. And <laughs> And, but, and some students see that as like, it's, they see it as a negative. They see it as like, I'm a burden. Like, why would anyone want to talk to me? Like, so I think, I think as a student, I was pretty good about like chasing opportunities and going after things, but I could have done it a lot more. Like I, I could have taken advantage of more of the resources here on campus, um, of faculty members that I had. Um, so I, I would have done a lot more of that, like more job shadowing, you know, setting up more meetings with my, my faculty, um, you know, just generally taking advantage of more of what I have here. Um, I would also like not put as much pressure on myself. Like I put a lot of pressure on myself to like graduate and have a job right after, like out of graduation. And I don't think there like having a job out of graduation does not make you better than anyone else. <laughs> and it's not a reflection of like your self-worth or, you know, who you are as a person or your value. Um, and I think I ascribed a lot of value to that, right? It's like, well, if I have to have a job right after I graduate, cause then that means I'm successful. Um, and I don't think that's true at all. Um, so I think I would have also taken a lot of pressure off of myself. Like I would, which sounds counterintuitive. It's like chase, I would have done more and talked to more people, but also taking the pressure off. Somehow that makes sense for me personally, but maybe not for everybody. So I, I don't know. Those are things that I would, I would probably have done, but, I but I'm generally happy with where I'm at. Like no regrets. Right. Right. No, I appreciate that. And, yeah. and I think they're both good pieces of advice, perhaps at different times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Chase, this has been a fantastic conversation. I have learned so much about the outdoor product and design and development program. I've learned so much about the work that you do. And I just have to say thank you. Thank you for being a champion 
whether you know it or not, you're a huge champion of career design here at Utah State University. You support students, I feel like, at every level of engagement in terms of, you know, connecting them with employers, helping them get ready for job opportunities. Um, I just, I really can't thank you enough for the work that you do. And, and thank you so much for joining me here today on the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. It was fun. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends and family all about it. To learn more about the Career Design Center and ways it can support your career design and development, visit usu.edu forward slash career dash design dash center forward slash.